0: Hi everybody, welcome to Read Watch Play. I'm Justin. I'm James. And I'm Cleo. And we are once again joined by a special guest, Corinne.
1: Hello. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and this is our third attempt at getting through the intro. <laughs> This episode, we're going to be discussing Life is Strange, a narrative focused episodic game developed by Don't On Entertainment and published by Square Enix. In the game, you play as Max Caulfield, uh, an 18 year old art school senior something nebulous school situation.
2: I think it... I genuinely think it might change between, like, the first and second episode. Because yeah. I
0: was really unclear about that. So was I. Yeah. I, I, I mentioned this to, to Corinne, but um, who discovers that both she has the ability to manipulate time and reverse it and... Also, that the a giant not not the apocalypse, but basically the apocalypse for the small town of Arcadia Bay is coming in like five days in the form of a giant tornado,
3: an E six tornado,
0: the giantest tornado, the biggest one. And yeah, that's uh, that's more or less the gist. So, how did you guys feel about the game? Like overall, immediate impression. So this is, once again, I did the thing where I finish it the day of because I'm a crazy person. And we started, we met way too early this morning for me to have decided to do that. But here we are. Um, But for for you guys who are not so immediately out of it.
3: I really, really enjoyed this game. I mean, I feel like a lot of people are going to come away with this. And it was the general consensus of people who have played the game. But the first four episodes are really, really strong. The last one does not deliver on all of the promise of the previous four. You know, it's not the kind of thing where I would say don't play the last episode, but it's not going to give you the kind of payoff that you were looking for, and a lot of people were disappointed with it. But I know that is in a large part due to just money problems with the whole project, um, because the earlier episodes weren't selling as well, and they just production and budgetary problems with the fifth episode really made it less than what it could have been according to what
1: I've read.
2: That's really interesting because I felt the same way um with one kind of caveat, but I I didn't know about the money issues. That that makes a lot of sense. That explains a lot of my issues with the structure of that last episode. Um obviously we'll we'll get into later, but uh, yeah, I, other than that, though, I, I really agree. I think that the overall, I thought it was really strong. Um, I think that there's a lot of things... Also, it's easier, I think, to go back and play it now where you can buy the whole package and play the whole package in kind of a short period of time. I could see this being the kind of game where it would have been really kind of difficult to tell whether the whole thing was working if you were waiting long stretches of time between episodes. I think that this game more so than other games that are published in a similar way, uh, feels like it's very much meant to be one long, cohesive narrative. It's less broken into self-contained stories. There, there is a beginning, middle, and end to each episode, but it feels much more like chapters in a whole. Uh, I mean, things like a lot of Telltale Games is, is really kind of the go-to easy comparison for this, but I think have a much more distinct... You're working towards something greater, but you went through a story that has, like, a a close in each of the episodes. This one is less that. So it makes it kind of hard as you're going through to say, it's like, oh, that episode was really, really good. Because it's all kind of dependent upon how well they all work together as a whole. Like, you could say a chapter in a book was really, really good, but you also wouldn't read it in isolation. You wouldn't just be like, oh, man, I'm
0: going to go back and, like, read chapter 14 again. Right. You're looking at more, like a Netflix series that's meant to be binged versus a TV series that's meant to be watched weekly. I think that that's a fantastic analogy
2: and I think that that's exactly the way that this is and I would say the big thing that I really that I liked a lot and knowing going in was that the general consensus like like you said Craig was that on the whole it it gets there and it works. And all that setup I, I think the first episode is particularly I don't want to say guilty of this because I don't think it's something that you're, that it's guilty of that suggests that it's a bad thing. But I think you feel it the most in the first episode where playing through that first episode, I felt like, well, I just started like seven plot lines minimum. And I'm really interested in all of those, but every single one of them, I only got like a beginning. So it's kind of hard to say. It's like, oh yeah, this is going to be really good. But I, I was I was definitely kind of comforted by the fact that I'd been told by a lot of places that don't worry about it, it comes together, it's it's worth it. And I. that's the same thing that I would say to anyone who's looking at going into it. I would say get the season pass. Don't judge it based on just, like, the merits of the first episode because the first episode is a lot of... You're starting off. We're going to introduce you to everybody. Here are, like, all the characters. And, like, now things are just getting going. But, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I liked it a lot.
1: Yeah, I quickly became obsessed with this game, binge-played it, did the thing that I always say I shouldn't do, where it's just, like, take a few days and do nothing but that. I did make sure I didn't finish it at night, right before I went to sleep, though, because I knew if I did that, I wouldn't be able to sleep. Um, I did kind of wish that... Because I knew relatively little about this. Like, I remember when they, like, had first announced it and were talking about it and stuff, but then I didn't know that much about the plot going into it, which was a nice way to experience it, I felt... But I did kind of wish that I had known that last episode had been a little bit different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just because, I it just, uh, yeah, it did feel a little bit, like, maybe not totally cohesive with the experience that came before. Um, and, again, we'll, like, we'll talk about that later. But, I don't know, I'd say, like, one thing that this game, that this reminded me of was Gone Home a little bit. And that you're, like, picking stuff up, right? And it's about, like, teenage girls, like, dealing with stuff i don't know um but i do like that kind of format of a game where you're looking for clues and you're like going through a space and like picking things up and looking at them and reading at them and you have a lot of choice in how much of that kind of extra stuff you want to look at carefully um i'm also gonna say two things probably as vaguely as
3: i can uh because they're very spoiler heavy one the person that i played this game with my friend clayton has literally the best headcanon for what could have happened in the fifth episode. It's absolutely incredible. It will change your entire perception of the game. And we'll get into that after the spoiler break. And two, the ending of episode three caused me to literally need to just lay down for days. I I just to think about the implications of my actions and I have not had that strong of a, like, existential crisis related to a video game ever before.
1: We're all emotionally just, like, leveled at this point, I guess, right?
0: Pretty much.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, like, a super, like, this is a game that's gonna, like, go free your heart and try to tear it up a little bit. Or a lot bit. (laughs) Or just completely. Or just, just, like, decimate your emotions.
3: (laughs) Um, Not just your heart, but, like... Your your moral basis, like you're gonna have to think
1: really really hard about
0: like yeah
1: what the right thing to do is yeah I mean like the main mechanic of this game is making choices like you know you'll you're in a ty- difficult situation you have to choose between sometimes like the lesser of two evils and you don't know necessarily what the lesser of two evils is because you can't tell what the long term outcome will be and so that's like there's a lot of guesswork involved and that's one thing I really liked about Life is Strange, even more so than I would say with a typical like, Telltale game, is that I was really distressed over the choices I made, and I like feeling that kind of stress in a game. <laughs> like, that's the right kind of stress to feel, and again, it's like, a fun kind of stress, but also it felt real. Like, I was like legitimately concerned with where the story was going based on what were potentially some shitty choices I had made.
3: Yeah, and... <clears throat> Um, just going off of that, I think that actually makes me feel as though life is strange as, as a video game is probably going to be our, our strongest look at time travel simply because it puts the burden of choice in the hands of the player. And that really can only be achieved
1: through a video game. Yeah, I guess we should talk about the time travel mechanic just a little bit. Cause we haven't really.
2: Yeah. It's actually one of the things that I, I liked a lot, both, um, both just as a, an expression of time travel, but also just sort of playing with the kind of limited time travel that you have any time you play a video game. Because with, with a lot of choice-driven games, it's, it's not uncommon if you want to see a lot of different paths, you have the opportunity to save your game before you make a choice. And you say, lock in that save, and then you make choice A, and then you go back and you reload that save, and you make choice B, and you can see these. And I did this all the time in Fallout just to see what someone would say if i did this or that but in games like this so you always in any of these games you have a certain amount of kind of a cheating time travel and i really liked that in this game they just baked that right into the gameplay yep where you can go through and obviously not big long-term things where you might make a choice say certainly it in the most extreme in a previous episode and then you're dealing with the consequences of that in a future episode and there's plenty of that so you don't you really don't have this just total carte blanche to go back and change anything and you do have to live with the choices that you make but at least in the short term to be able to go and say well i know that this is going to affect my relationship with this person but i'm really curious about this or what would happen if i did this just absurd thing or say some, go walk up to someone and say something that i know is just like the most like awful hurtful thing i could say and just see how they react in that situation, and then say, yeah, but I didn't want to do that. I don't want that to count. I was just curious and just rewind and go back and make some other choice. So I would say even beyond the whole mechanic of talking to someone, getting them to give you a piece of information, rewinding and then using that piece of information that you do all the time for all sorts of different reasons, whether it's just to improve your relationship with someone, someone, I know there's a character at one point who feels that, no one really cares about her or what she's going through, and as she's doing this, she'll mention something that's on her mind, and then you can go back and rewind and bring that up. Even when you're not explicitly getting information, just getting to see these different branches and say, oh, well, what does it look like if I make this choice or say this to this person? And being able to go back and explore the tree a little bit more than normally you'd be able to, I liked a lot. And
3: I think also what was really strong about the writing of the game maybe not necessarily the dialogue writing but um is that you it felt like you had a lot more control than you actually did because the consequences of all of your choices were so much more far-reaching than you could possibly you know fix by just a single instance of rewinding and choosing another choice in a conversation yeah. and the fact that it was so limited like this me and my friend clayton when we played we talked about this all the time is how like how a good and be frustrating it was that we could we made ho- so many choices that seemed like they were the best choices to make in the moment with the information we had and then next episode came around and then we were seeing holy crap that was really just the, the wrong thing to go with that was such a bad idea and it was a it's a really good balance of Giving you all this control to see the immediate consequences of your actions, but then burying that underneath the terrible long-term consequences of your actions that came later on and were unchangeable at that point.
2: I felt like one thing that was a little bit tricky about that, and this was maybe just because I, I was kind of aware that I'd had a few people say to me before starting this that a lot of people were saying like, oh man, I really did the thing that I thought was like right in the moment, but... They really make you pay for that long term. So maybe I went into it with that kind of in my head. But there were several of those choices where I was like, okay, my gut tells me to go and do this thing in the moment. But having that – I guess having that knowledge that there were a lot of people who were in the same boat as Eucharin and saying it's like, okay, well, having to step back and say, well, what's the best thing to do long term? I almost wish that I – which is is not a fault of the game, but I wish that I hadn't known that going in and had – as weird as it sounds made more mistakes
3: yeah cuz it it was such a i mean terrible but also like really good moment to realize like holy crap like I, like i thought i was doing the right thing but everything i do makes things worse yeah it, it's just this it's this really really great like message that is driven home by every aspect of the game which i think really speaks to the game's design, like the strength of the design of the game and the strength of the writing. Although there are problems with the dialogue. That... What
2: do you mean the dialogue's hella cool? <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about that. That was, that was actually another thing that I had heard. I heard a lot of people uh, commenting on the dialogue. And I've got to say, it wasn't... It certainly wasn't great, but it also wasn't nearly as bad as I was, like, led to believe. I don't know if it was that it just, it really does stick out like a bit of a sore thumb in what's otherwise a really well-written experience, so maybe it's that. I just felt like every time I read any comments or reviews or someone talked to me about the game, they're like, oh, man, but the dialogue, and I got there, and I was expecting it to just be, like, hot garbage. And it was, I, I would say it's it's certainly not that, don't get me wrong. It's this isn't, like, you know, this isn't great prose or anything, but.
1: I think it also bears mentioning that uh, the script was originally written in French and then translated into English. Yeah. So That'll probably... that might've an effect on it.
3: Yeah. I mean, the worst that can be said is, you know, there's a couple, there's, there's a couple moments that are probably more frequent than they should be where you're just sort of cringing at the things that are being said. Sure, But overall you kind of just, you know, can accept that, oh, maybe this is just how they talk in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, certainly for us East Coasters, that's not hard to That's not hard to just say, oh, well, you know, they're over there, that's how they talk, that's fine, I'll just run with it.
2: I wonder if it's the kind of thing that also feels more jarring when you're playing the game episodically over the course of a year, as opposed to when you're playing it in a relatively tight space. I know I've heard a lot of people talk about like things like reading Sandman or something like that. Uh, as being very similar where in some of the arcs that are a bit more out there when you read them say once a month in the context of everything else that you're reading or in this case you play it once every few months in the context of all the other games that you're playing having that kind of dialogue can feel very jarring and it's just like oh god right this is the game like with this kind of weird sort of faux slang that i'm not really familiar with but when you sit and you play them over the course of like a week or two weeks uh which is what i personally did and you're just living in that world and you hit the point where it's just like yeah like i've I've suspended my disbelief this is just the way that people talk in life is strange and that just is what it is and so by like episode two or three you're just kind of accustomed to it so it's kind of it makes me wonder if if someone were to go back and play it now and play all five episodes tightly together you notice it at the beginning and god do you notice it at the beginning (laughs) and that's not to say that there aren't those like cringeworthy moments across the entire experience but i wonder if if you were playing it like once every three months if you'd have more of those experiences of like oh wow yeah this doesn't this doesn't sound like anyone i know
3: yeah that's very possible i personally i bought episodes one through four about a month and a half before the fifth one was scheduled for release Not realizing that the fifth one was not out yet. Just, you know, fair warning. I did not do that intentionally or anything. And then I played through it over the course of probably like a week and a half, two weeks with my friend. And, um, and, you know, it was really, really good, actually. I would say it was really good to get, you know, all of that, like, tension and drama of the first four episodes all together like that. And then, like... There was all the anticipation for the final episode, and then it was just like,
2: yeah, then we down <laughs> like that.
1: So, I didn't hate everything about the fifth episode, but we'll talk about that later.
0: <laughs> how about you, Justin? What did you think of it? I, I did really enjoy it, and I pretty much share the same concerns with with you know how it it didn't end on as satisfying a note as the rest of it pretty much built up. Um. But I don't know, I was pretty quickly and easily like or I did pretty quickly and easily find myself attached to Max and to Chloe as characters and pretty invested in in the narrative and in and, and figuring out exactly what was going on like pretty much from the get-go. Um, so there was it was I really enjoyed the experience and I thought that it was fairly well crafted except for going off the rails a little bit toward the end. Which is not really all that uncommon when it comes to time travel stories, anyway.
1: Or episodic games, for or that matter.
0: episodic games, yeah.
2: Honestly, in a weird way, or just most video games. Like, as, as <laughs> weird as it sounds, it a lot of video games still have, like, a lot of trouble with endings.
0: Yeah. Mass Effect 3.
2: Or? Yeah. I mean, just even from, like, you know, like, a narrative perspective, but also from just, like, a, a gameplay perspective, and I, I think this suffers from, from both of those. But
0: but we can get into that yeah yeah for sure but as weird as it
2: sounds it's almost the kind of thing where in hindsight i guess now that we're putting it all out on the table maybe we shouldn't have been so surprised it's like oh well yeah it's it's a video game of course the ending is bad but
3: wait until i i pitch the alternative answer to the the fifth episode it, it's so good
1: i'm so excited for that
3: like it's so good
0: I mean, I will say, I think we might have even been holding this one to a higher standard because it is an episodic narrative game and we've gotten so accustomed to the Telltale style where they do manage to sort of wrap things up pretty neatly with a nice bow. That's true. As far as my my understanding goes, the only Telltale I've finished is Walking Dead Season 1, which definitely accomplishes that. Yeah. Um, but... I don't know. I mean, I came into this in a very like just kind of generally very excited. I was super into the idea. I had played uh, Remember Me, which is the only other Donut game, uh, and and you know I I could see everybody's problems with it. I could see why it why it sort of scored the way that it did. But I really enjoyed it, and so I, I I mean I bought the season pass for this like you know when it came out. It was like all five episodes, just just give it to me. I'm good, and I played the first episode and and then. Did the same thing I always do, which is put it down until all five are out and then not pick it back up again until who the hell knows how much later. Yeah. But but yeah, I I think they when you take the package as a whole, they definitely delivered.
3: Something else that I really, really specifically loved about the game was the music.
2: Oh
0: yeah. The music I in this agree.
3: game was phenomenal. Like like not just so there were moments of like score music and moments where they were actually playing like songs like real real songs mm-hmm. yeah and both of those things just totally delivered
0: yep because we this... just jumped between like well-produced hollywood movie and cw teenage drama yeah like, pretty but like i mean
3: this this game is both things and yeah. the music does such a good job and also it's like such good like pacific northwest music like this
1: is very specific, Very, yeah, yeah but, you know, Yeah. it fit the atmosphere very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. For sure. And that was one of the things that was praised a lot was the atmosphere, and that it just, they got it spot on for that area of mm-hmm. the United States. I think, you know, they did a lot of research. Like, they went there, took pictures, made sure that, like, right. they got everything right.
0: Yeah, I can't say I would know. Yeah, I haven't spent
2: a lot of time in, in the area either, but my, I, I've, that's, I've heard that from plenty of people who have, and that's been the general... Kind of the general consensus. Uh, to go back to the music, though, I, I completely agree, and I really wanted to highlight one of the things that you said. Where it's it's not just that the music in the game is really good. I think it's that the way that music is used yeah. within the game is really yeah. good, and I think that that's something that a lot of a lot of games with good music will will often miss. Um, but even just something as simple as just right at the beginning of the first episode, you you walk out of that first class, and Max puts in earbuds and a song starts playing and she's just walking through the hall listening to music and it it comes together really nicely it feels appropriate in the world it's kind of a really good reason to have max kind of like lost in her thoughts it's, it just scores the moment really well but it also doesn't feel like i eat just that that light addition of this is you getting to see your school for the first time this is max listening to music this is max explicitly not talking to other people. This is Max putting in headphones and saying, you know, don't come talk to me. I need to be alone right now. Just a lot of... Just little things like that and the places where the songs come in and the way that they come in and what that music is kind of implied to mean to the characters. Just even the number of times you have the option to turn on a hi-fi. And that's just... That's something that Max can do in that moment. I, I think that that was all really really well done. I, I completely agree. Mm-hmm.
1: I also like the use of like the polaroid. <laughs> I know, the uh the picture taking. I know it kind of doesn't really amount the whole lot. In general it's kind of more of a just like a fun little extra thing.
0: I mean it amounts to a platinum trophy.
3: So Max is a photographer. So everything for Jane. Yeah, yeah Max, Max is... Yeah.
1: Yeah. She said there's a reason for the picture taking. She, um... Is that, like, this elite in high school or whatever? For artsy-fartsy uh, fucks. Yeah. And she's in a photography class. And that's, like, what she wants to do with her life. And so she goes around with this vintage Polaroid camera taking picture of you know, nature and whatnot. Fucking... His selfies. selfies. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, it was, like, it's not, like, a... I don't know, I mean, yeah, again, it's not like, oh, if you don't take these pictures, like, everything's going to collapse around you. Right. But it's uh, a fun... Everything collapses around point. you anyway. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, as, as kind of like a weird, I think not only, and this is something that uh, definitely worth getting into later, but just uh, pictures just in general, and just as, like, a theme throughout all the games and what they mean in different circumstances to different people, I think that that's all super well done. And I think that having having those pictures that you as the player can take adds a lot to that, and the specific pictures that get taken, I think say a lot about max, I completely agree. And even from just like a a more external standpoint, yes, they absolutely do just count for trophies, but the trophies in this game are super good. Really well done. exactly the way to do trophies.
3: So do we have other things that we want to say about the game spoiler free?
2: Not really. I think I think the consensus is it's it's good. go play it. Yeah. yeah, I mean. Don't get too excited for episode five.
1: <laughs> but still play episode five, definitely.
3: Oh yeah,
2: by, by no stretch should you not play. And I can't imagine someone getting to the end of episode four and putting down the controller and just being like, ah, yes, there we go, I'm done.
3: But it, it is a really tough situation where it's like, everything except for the ending is awesome, so you should definitely play it because it's valuable and worth doing. And you probably should play the fifth episode because you can't just leave it at that point but just be ready to be disappointed by the end go go find some good fan fiction you know what i mean like as basically as basically what this game is unfortunately
1: yeah so i'd say play you'd especially i mean obviously if you're looking for like a shooter don't play this right now but if you like games again like gone home or like even a bioware narrative heavy game or telltale um, or Oxenfree, which came out recently. I thought there was a lot of similarities with Oxenfree, which I also really liked. I definitely recommend it.
2: I would even say, if you're someone who really wants to like Telltale games, for lack of like a better way to put it, but is like frustrated with Telltale for whatever reason, whether it's the engine or the fact that their games are by and large licensed, so they're working with other properties, I I think this just kind of has the benefit of being a similar style of game, but there's, there's just a certain extra layer of polish. It's a bit more of an original story, and again, all of Telltale's stories are their own original stories. And but the gameplay. Yeah.
3: It, it's This is definitely more of a game rather than a narrative. Like, re-
0: it's not just an interactive narrative. There, yeah. yeah there's, there's definite gameplay. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. not like a visual novel.
2: Um, and I think a lot of the investigative, I'll even say this, just uh, the investigative gameplay, I think is really good. There's mm-hmm. lots of puzzles and things like that where the solution to the puzzle involves thinking about, okay, well, this is a certain other character's password. What would that character pick as the password? And it's the kind of thing where you can find the password written somewhere, but it's not a question of, you just go around until you find, like, there's there's not like a notebook somewhere that says password, blah. It's you actually have to do some deduction there, which I think is really nice and it's a really good way of looping those gameplay moments into the narrative
1: yeah and it's also not like with a lot of puzzle games there's going to be like a moment or two where you get frustrated and you're like okay i just have to look at a walkthrough i'd never really had that moment with this game like it all felt like okay i if i just like give it a little bit while i'll definitely be able to figure this out it's not like okay well i'm just like stumped and i'm never gonna get it so
0: i came close once i came very very close when you had to look for something
1: yeah there was something yeah There was one thing time I looked at a walkthrough, but it wasn't like a puzzle. Really, it was more of a like a stupid thing. thing, Yeah, I think we are. There
3: was one time where all I had to do was spot some scrapes on the ground, and for some reason, both Clayton and I could not find them. We walked around the entire area so many times, interacted with everything so many times, and it took us forever to find the scrapes, and we were getting real frustrated. (laughs) But honestly, that's on us. Like it's not the game's fault that we just kept missing it
2: it is the downside to not point and click adventure games is that you don't have that option to just click every pixel yeah. on the screen and, just go, and eventually get it just by sheer force of force of will yeah. but like certainly if you're someone who who likes or again i would say almost wants to like telltale games but are kind of frustrated by them i i think that there's a a good chance that this just being like a slightly more modern engine and just being very much in the same vein but ultimately a different developer a different kind of story this this might be be more more up your alley
0: all right and I think with with all that said we'll call this our firm spoiler line for this episode and move into full discussion Uh, but first uh, for
2: our next set of episodes our theme is going to be escape we're going to be reading Adventures of Cavalier and Clay, and we're going to be watching the Prestige, and we are going to be playing Nine Nine Nine. If you've been listening so far, you already know how excited I am about all of those things. So, but particularly Nine Nine Nine. If you couldn't notice, always Nine Nine Nine. I'm actually really excited. This is a, I'm anyway, We'll get we got a whole series of episodes to talk about those, but I think that's going to be a lot of fun. So definitely start getting ready for that. That's all going to be starting not next episode. That'll be our theme episode, but the one after that with uh cavalier and clay so definitely stay tuned but until then spoilers for life is strange all
0: right so we should probably still just go as much as i want to jump around and and talk about specific things we should probably do this episode by episode yeah i i would agree i think that 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 makes the most sense especially because
2: I can absolutely see a situation where we jump into so that scene in episode four where you find out that like Max is half bird and right. it's just you know someone made some very different choices than
0: than everybody else so if we if we kind of take this a bit totally time. canon I want that game though yeah <laughs> can we have that game? I want
3: that mixed with um, pigeon dating oh had a full boyfriend yeah. Oh God. Oh, so just Max and. Speaking Chloe's of pigeons. dating games, as I I was watching Justin play last night, and what happened to come up on my Tumblr is a fan made "Love Is Strange" game where it reimagines "Life Is Strange," takes all the characters, removes all of the terrible drama, sadness, and angst, and just turns it into a lesbian dating simulator, like like, like lesbian dating game. Perfect. Yeah. Freely available. So, like, Danganronpa (laughs) school mode.
0: Yeah, Yeah.
2: exactly. I'm going to go home
0: and play that tonight.
3: Yeah, right?
2: (laughs) Uh, But actually. Yeah. So, episode by episode. Episode one.
1: Let's talk about the moment when uh, Max first realizes that she can rewind time.
0: Can we talk about how readily she accepts it? (laughs) Like she doesn't freak out at all. She takes
2: a lot of stuff in stride.
0: <laughs> but But I, mean like, I but like later like in the context of I can rewind time, I feel like it's a lot easier to take a lot of this stuff in stride. But the first episode she like she like freezes she like rewinds time, realizes what's going on, wakes up she's like, Wait, did I really? Okay. If that does that and that does that, oh my god, I can rewind time, how cool is that? You
3: know what would have been funny? If you had like run with max at any point in that beginning she would have just started screaming and like flailing her arms around like the care like you as a player because you're controlling max so it's not like she can it's harder to have her like freak out and then like put her immediately in the hands of the players who are going to calmly investigate everything right so i i actually feel like that was the best decision to make but like it would have been real funny if the players could have decided exactly how freaked out max was going to be hilarious
2: that would have been (laughs) nice
1: there's some, also, I mean, I love, again, the time travel aspect, but there are definitely some little continuity issues. Oh, for sure. Like, for instance, later on in the game, like, if you can time travel and you're still in the same spot that you were when you initiated the time travel, whereas in the beginning of the game and at several other instances, when you time travel, you end up at, the, like, a spot that you were in, like, way before. Like, with that first instance, when she, because she rewinds time and kind of, like, wakes up or whatever, back,
0: wait, the, back in class, okay, in another right, classroom. Or, although I think, isn't that the only time that happens? It's like her powers manifest and somehow she rewinds herself back into into like that different space and time. But I, isn't it like every other time after that, doesn't she?
3: Maybe that's like where her powers could eventually go and all we really get is like her as a baby superhero just beginning to figure out her powers, which would be Horrifying because she is
2: so powerful. Well, for real. I mean, even over the the course of the game, her powers evolve. But yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe it it might just be that that chair is magic because that seems to be the place where wherever (laughs) she like shifts physically, it's primarily to that seat in that class. Yep. But but yeah. So that that first instance, we've we've got Max kind of hiding in the bathroom after Nathan, kind of the local
1: rich boy like untouchable junkie kind of yeah he's like really just nasty to people um part of the elite the vortex club right which is like the club of the school where all the like cool kids are a part of literally just the rich kids the rich kid yeah um but yeah it's like him and victoria chase are kind of like the main two they're kind of like the cool kid rich kid leaders but, James, you want to continue about that
2: sure yeah so we've got we've got Max in the bathroom kind of having like a bit of a bit of a crisis Nathan comes in having way more of a crisis to the girls room mind you. yes exactly into the girls bathroom uh, clearly freaking out starts kind of trying to talk himself up in the mirror
1: you're Nathan Prescott you own this school
0: yeah I could blow it up if I wanted to yeah.
2: Yeah, great, great intro to the uh, the whole dialogue. But um, and then this, at the time, mysterious girl with kind of like blue hair and kind of punk rock outfit comes in, who at this point we all know from the cover of the game, so clearly important, um, and starts talking about and saying that she she knows something. And she's looking for money, and she knows he's been pushing drugs. And wow. Nathan gets upset pulls a gun, and shoots this girl right in the stomach. Max, understandably, freaks out. And in arguably one of the more, I thought, like, more bizarre moments of happenstance, throws out her hand, which is the trigger for going back in time.
0: As far as she knows. Yeah,
2: that's true. Actually, that's a good point. Um, Anyway, ends up back in class... And decides that she she can go and try and change this. So, goes back, hides in the bathroom again. Everything's happening just as it was, except instead of letting Nathan shoot this girl, Max pulls the fire alarm and saves, saves this person's life. After that, Max comes out of the bathroom, runs into someone who will end up being kind of a major character in all of this. Uh, David Madsen, a kind of chief of security at, at Blackwell, the school where she goes. And he's hassling her, giving her a really hard time. And she gets away. The principal comes in and kind of tells David to lay off. She was just in the bathroom when the fire alarm was pulled. It's, it's okay. And this kind of brings you to the very first major choice of the game, uh, which is the principal says notices that Max seems uncomfortable and asks what's going on and you have an option to tell the principal that you saw nathan prescott with a gun in the girl's bathroom or just not say not say anything at all kind of introduces you to the whole the whole choice making mechanic and it's it's pretty clear that this is a a non-trivial choice any other kind of choice you've made up until this point has been kind of very simple some dialogue choices this one you you know it's important because the screen gets all weird it's it's, the, it's kind of a classic, like, choice-based game. Like, hey, this is a big one. Don't just, like, pick the funny dialogue response. Uh, so, actually, I was really curious. What did what did everyone go with for this? Because this is the kind of thing where I felt like after making the choice, I got some context about Max's relationship with the principal that made me think, like, oh, well, I could say that I, James, would do this thing in this game, I kind of feel like I want to be playing as Max, not James. And after this, you get like the the journal entry. Um, your your pause menu has some just sort of background information for a bunch of the characters, but only once you meet them. And in the in the journal, I like read about Max's relationship with the principal, and I remember thinking it's like, oh, well, if I had known that before making that choice, I probably would have done. The other one, but so I was just kind of curious about how how everyone answered that mm. that sort of first big question.
3: Um. Well, i <laughs> I was getting a huge like Lovecraftian vibe from the game when I first started it. Um. Possibly because I was in the middle of listening to a HP Lovecraft podcast, and also possibly because it was a Uh, a coastal fishing town where there is a (laughs) mysterious upper elite um, that they, and they organize in the vortex club. And there's clearly some sort of impending doom related to vortexes. Like I was going hard, like Lovecraftian conspiracy. And so my thought going into this was do not trust the police or any figure of authority ever so I did not, I hid all of it from the principal. But keeping in mind that I thought everybody with power was going to kill me.
1: At first I chose to tell the principal because that's, that's what Cleo would do. <laughs> um, if a fucking brat has a gun at school, uh, or anyone has a gun at school, I guess, that for that matter. <laughs> um, but yeah, especially like a, someone like me. It was like a cool person. That's, that's okay. fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um. But then you have this whole di- this whole dialogue unfolds where the principal's like, "Are you sure?" Like Nathan's fam, the Prescott family has donated a lot of money to the school, and he basically flat flat out says like, "I don't really want to do anything about that. Um, I please like let's pretend like it didn't that didn't happen because we're gonna lose our financial backing." Uh, and he just, I don't know, he didn't seem like the most ethically reliable kind of guy. Uh, so I went back and chose to not tell him, and then when, in which his whole thing is like, "Oh, you're guilty of something. I can tell it. I can see it in your eyes that you're hiding something." And I was like, "Okay, well, you're kind of a douchebag. Uh, I know not to like trust you at all in the future." And it just felt like the better choice. I made. I rewound a lot to make different choices in this game. I took full advantage of that. <laughs> Same.
0: I committed real hard to not doing that. Not rewinding. Yeah. My part of the thing that I should have been doing from the beginning, which I only realized toward the end was what I wanted to do was make my choices and see what effect they had throughout. Right. I wanted to know what choices in episode one were going to affect my choices in episode four and, and affect the narrative and that kind of stuff. And so I picked what I really wanted to happen and wanted to see the effects of them and left it. Realistically, what I should have been doing was picking what I didn't want to see it. yeah, And then rewinding to pick what I actually wanted, but I didn't, think to do that until like like midway through episode 4 maybe uh-huh. and so at that point it seemed like a waste um, but for the, this particular choice I, I chose to tell him what I saw and that was getting my first taste of this principle just being kind of awful yeah I was actually in
2: the exact same boat as you Justin where I for the big choices the only times I rewound mm-hmm. the big choices was when I went through, and it wasn't so much they had an effect that wasn't what I expected, but it was that they had an effect where it seemed like the choice that I had made, like that I had misunderstood the prompt, which to this game's credit, I think is a real problem in a lot of narrative-driven games. I like kind of the, the joke example of, when like at one point playing like Mass Effect and picking an answer, I was
3: gonna say La Noire with the doubt option. <laughs> I I've, I've for not, real.
2: I haven't played La Noire, but I've heard that it that's like one of the oh, more. Man. It's like you pick doubt, and like the detective just gets like really aggressive, right?
3: It, it, oh, not okay. just really aggressive. That's way too mild. He like flies off the handle. Yeah, it is insane. It's honestly,
0: it's if you there's it's like truth, doubt, lie, right? Like you can choose. Whether or not you believe them, whether or not you doubt them, but you suspect there's like you suspect something, or whether or not you think mm. they're outright lying, and so this is even like the
2: medium. That's the thing. Option. It's like choosing
0: doubt is usually worse than than like choosing that they're outright lying. Weird. Yeah,
2: but yeah. So I like I yeah. That's that's an even better example. I'm going to start using that from here on. But <laughs> I I think that for a narrative driven game, this absolutely had fewer of those than that I generally remember. Um, now given a lot of the ones where it's almost exclusively narrative will tend to make that very clear it'll just be like do you want to like kill this dog or like eat this ice cream and you know it's (laughs) like it's a very classic conundrum (laughs) yeah um sometimes in telltale feels like that but um (laughs) uh, anyway but so it'll be a lot of things like that where it's it feels a lot generally it's those are painted as much more even if it's Hard to tell what the right thing to do in the situation is. You at least understand what you're doing, um, but yeah, I I was actually in the same boat as you, Justin, and not because not for any like conscious reason, but just because I said like, oh no, I I'll just pick the one that I that I want to do in that. And I think it was more that I was worried that I was going to pick one that I didn't want to do. I'm like, oh, this isn't so bad. I could do this. Maybe I don't <laughs> need to rewind and pick the other one, but. And yeah, I mean,
0: that's part of it for me is that the, the, that's how I play these kinds of games is, like, you know, making a decision and sticking with it. And then for a first playthrough, that's how I do it. And then if I go back and play more, I play around with choices or I'll save and reload and and all of that kind of stuff. But I yeah. generally don't like to do it the first time through. yeah It's just – it feels weird to – or I realized how weird it was to choose to play that way in a game that explicitly encouraged you to rewind and change your choices, right? Yeah. To the point where Max repeatedly will, like – after after making a choice and the the thing happens, then she'd be like, "Oh man, what if I didn't want that to happen?" Yeah, like, I, to I, I guess I could thing. rewind. I guess I could rewind. I was like, "Just shut up." <laughs> <laughs> I know I can rewind. You don't have to. Okay. I think the thing that's hard for
2: me in that is that, and this is this is more my fault than any games, is that when I do a lot of that, I have a really hard time remembering what I did, mm. which means that when I have to come and sit and record a podcast about it. I could go back and just be like, "Oh God, like I don't remember what my canonical choice was because I looked at like all of the options," which ends up being kind of rough for me and part of why I usually like to just go one route. But that uh, makes sense. for there were a few choices though where I did explicitly go back uh, just after I'd finished and when I was replaying the episode explicitly to just like see other things. Um, but uh, yeah, for this one though, I, I also opted to to tell the principal, but it was the kind of thing where. Afterwards when I read the the journal entry, I was like, Oh, like the principal's like already like suspicious of me for things and like doesn't like me for the I was like, Oh, well, no, then I'm not gonna trust this guy. But I didn't actually go back and read that until after I had like left the zone. I was like, Oh well crap, never mind, then it's not actually because that was that was the I would say the big moment where I felt like I had made a choice I didn't want to make because of Information that Max had that I didn't. There are plenty of things where I made a choice that I was unhappy with later because it was information that neither Max nor I had, and that, I think, is 100% the way to go. Yeah. But when it was like... When later I was reading in Max's journal that she has this relationship with the principal, I was like, oh, well, then no, I wouldn't have done that. I thought I was reporting Nathan under this assumption that I was not under suspicion or had nothing to hide or like was in good standing and that would maybe mean a bit more and this wasn't someone who was already suspicious of me. But still that one that one was on me for checking that after I had missed the missed the opportunity to rewind and say, oh well, let's fix that.
0: And I say, is it just me or can Max write like a lot? Just all the time. Really fast. No 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 I mean did you guys go back and read the journal? Uh, I stopped after a little while, I think because of it's what it
2: sounds like you're getting at where it was like man, there's a lot to read here, and I really need to finish this game, and I'm a real
0: slow reader. And, yeah. I mean, like, ultimately, she's summarizing the events that we already played through yeah. and just adding a little bit of maybe, you know, more... Um,
1: embellishment. Or, yeah. Well, not yeah. embellishment, but just a little extra detail of what was going on through her head.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, and Which so I, I remember trying to read them in the beginning, and I was just like, this, this is way too much. Yeah.
1: Clayton and
3: I would read all of the new ones at the beginning of every chapter. I feel like that was what it was meant
1: for, for like (laughs) when it was being released as episodes, and like you don't remember what happened however many months ago.
0: Yeah, the previously on only gets you so far.
1: Because also the previously on stuff was like not showing any of your actual choices, it was just kind of like every some things that everyone experienced. Yeah. 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 But how did I'm curious, how did you guys feel as both Max as a protagonist, or like I guess your version of Max, like what she did, and also Chloe? As like kind of a secondary protagonist,
0: <laughs>
1: I, <grin less. laughs> well, I, mean, I
0: Listen, these fucking lesbians! I swear to God. <laughs> uh, for
2: for some quick context, the uh, the the not very twisty twist that takes like longer than I had expected. Because again, being someone who has seen the box for the game and who knows that clearly Chloe is an important character, the fact that it takes.
0: Like two and a half
2: episodes, I I guess. Well, no, I was even going to say a surprising amount of the first episode before Mm. the game tells you, "Oh, yeah, the girl who dies in the bathroom is Chloe, who is arguably the other protagonist to this game." Uh, Also,
1: you're like Max's best friend from childhood, who she hasn't had contact with for like like several
2: years years. because she moved away. Um, So, little things, and I totally understand that part of it's like it. It's been five years. Chloe's changed a lot. Max doesn't recognize her. I totally understand all of that. But even something as little as just, like, I don't know, again, just seeing, like, what little promotional material there was, it, it took a little while before we got any actual, like, real conversation between the two of them, mm-hmm. which was kind of a surprise to me. I don't think a positive or a negative, but um, it was definitely not something I was really expecting. Honestly, I, I'll even say this. Before I played the game, I did not know who the actual protagonist was. I just knew it was the game with the girl with the blue hair. Like, I, I definitely remembered
0: Chloe more than I remembered Max. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Chloe features more prominently in...
1: In the game art, I feel like. Yeah, the
0: art. Yeah. Because, I mean, of course you're going to want to show the, like, the girl with the blue hair over the, the like, average-looking yeah. girl. Mousy brown-haired girl.
2: Yeah, it, it makes me wonder if it was... Um, I don't know, if... It's definitely the kind of game where you're intended to feel like you are Max, which is, like, fine and good. And you're supposed to, like, think about Chloe in a certain way as this, like, really, like, interesting, exciting person with whom you have this relationship and, like, understand why Max is interested in her. But, yeah, and I think that the game does a really good job of that in putting Chloe front and center because Max clearly, I think it's a big part of her character that she doesn't really think of herself as the, the hero in this story. Or at least it... It takes a lot of people telling her that she is a hero and has superpowers and did all these, like, really good things. And her general response to that is just like, man, look at all these other people who are, like, so much cooler than me or more interesting than me. Or, like, who she idolizes in some way and sees kind of the the best in. But, so maybe that was was part of it. But it was, that was the kind of thing that, that surprised me. There's, like, time to not time to Chloe, but time to interaction with Chloe was way bigger than I thought.
1: Yeah, the thing about Chloe, <laughs> I feel like I'm going to have the not as popular opinion about this once again on this podcast. Yeah, damn it, yeah. <laughs> Just like from the beginning. But like I, Chloe, I don't know, maybe it's because she reminded me too much of certain people like I I knew and I was friends with in high school and was close friends with and like who I felt like didn't have to Chloe's not someone who you can easily have a very healthy relationship with. I feel like. Like for instance, like the problem okay, one of the major problems I had, right, and she's like I don't have a problem with like, oh she's like rebellious and she like kind of like doesn't take bullshit from everyone, but then she'll like dish out a lot of bullshit to people. Uh but my main problem was that Max has this power and she tells Chloe about it and she does this whole like kind of proving test thing at the diner to prove to Chloe that she can travel back in time. And Chloe's response is like, oh my god, we have to use this to do such cool things. Meanwhile, Max is getting, like, nosebleeds. She has basically, like, a seizure and blacks out in a junkyard at one point. And Chloe never seems to be, like, as concerned as I would hope a good friend of mine would be if I, like, had this power. (laughs) Like, I want them to be like, okay, hold on, maybe you shouldn't be using this all the time. Like, maybe this isn't good for your physical or mental health. Instead, Chloe's kind of just like, okay, I want you to use this to protect me. I don't, like... She over and over again puts them both in danger, um, and kind of relies on this rewind power. And that's just not what I would like to see in a healthy friendship or other kind of relationship of any sort.
3: I think that one of the major problems with me for me was that Chloe is just she's she's emotionally manipulative. Yeah, as well. 100%. Like she's not like that great to Max, but. The problem is, and I discussed this extensively with Clayton because I spent most of our play playthrough together ranting about how furious Chloe made me all the time. Um, despite the fact that, like, I like who Chloe could be in like five years with some therapy, but Chloe as the um, rebellious teenager who's angry at everyone and whose best friend is missing is just a nightmare so like so so chloe is not a very good person but i kind of kept having to remind myself that like this is we're only seeing a tiny slice of who chloe is and Mm. this is probably the worst possible time to be making any judgment calls about who she is as a person because she's under a lot of stress going through a lot of shit
1: I guess that's one thing we haven't talked about a whole lot. The whole Rachel Amber is missing situation. So Rachel Amber is the Laura Palmer of uh, Life is Strange. And there are, there are a lot of Twin Peaks references in this game. Oh, right. uh,
0: yeah, Including um, like, straight up the license plate at one point. Yeah, and Chloe's yeah, vanity, vanity plate says Twin Peaks. Yeah. And then like
1: on the mirror at one point it says like Firewalk with me. And So yeah, Rachel Amber is not a character who you ever meet. Um, but she feels as much of a character as anybody else does because Chloe talks about her so much. She was like Max's replacement basically.
2: Um and, and in she... a really interesting way Max sort of ends up being her replacement. Yeah. Again in the cycle. Like I think that, that that's a really great moment in episode three. When, when she's wearing Yeah, when Max needs clothes and uh, Chloe just says it's like, oh well Rachel left some of her stuff here. You can you can wear that. And a lot of people comment on the similarities there i i don't i thought that that was just like a really interesting cycle and says a lot about where chloe's at
1: but yeah so i definitely i mean everyone got the sense that chloe was in love with rachel amber oh yeah (laughs) oh my god
0: immediately off the bat yeah Yeah. her friend but it's unclear
1: whether rachel had those feelings at all for chloe in fact, I mean, we know for a fact that Rachel Amber was hooking up with Frank, the you know the local drug dealer who, what like, he looks like he's maybe like thirty two. My a bad thirty two, like a rough life thirty two. Yeah. yeah,
3: my guess would be either Rachel was like aware that Chloe had feelings for her and just like wanted to be friends, or they kind of casually hooked up sometimes, but like. Chloe was definitely more invested than Rachel was. Yeah. yeah, That's how I'm seeing the situation play out. One of those two ways.
1: But I feel like at this point, there's another important character we should mention, which is Mark Jefferson, um, who is a photography teacher um, for, like, Max's fancy photography class. And he was, like, he used to be famous in the 90s or something. I think like there's something on the wall that he, like, a photo shoot he did. And the, on the magazine cover, it's, like, it's Grunge dead. And you're like, yes, yeah, Grunge has been dead for quite some time. <laughs> so he's kind of, I guess, a has-been. Yeah um
2: well sort of because he's also the big draw for blackwell's photography program like he's he's the guy who you go to to study with like you get the impression that he kind of is that photography program yeah for sure yeah um yeah i guess if we're if we're going to take an aside to to talk about that we can just get into that that entire story arc um so jefferson ends up really being the the villain of the game um which is something that I was really kind of disappointed with because I think that I think it's really obvious that he's the villain in that really unfortunate way that has nothing to do with the story and everything to do with the storytelling. And the fact that he's the kind of guy who is a, he is helpful without being actively helpful. He's not explicitly a villain. He's not explicitly a friend. He's kind of the only character who falls into that, but he's clearly kind of put on this pedestal at the beginning. It, you you get a vibe that he is suspicious, just because you've you've seen this narrative structure before, not because of anything in the character. And I remember being kind of frustrated that I, I have in my notes, uh, Jefferson seems cool. I wonder if he's the bad guy. <laughs> like, it is genuinely something that I wrote down at the end of the first episode, not it, explicitly because he was set up as someone who doesn't seem to be the bad guy.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm gonna say. I was shocked that Jefferson was the bad guy, but that was because I was still operating under the cult assumption that, like, ah. Nathan's dad ran a cult in Arcadia Bay and they were, like, needed to make sacrifices to some sort
0: of because thing. I Otherwise... Mean, look, that shit looks so... Yeah. It was so
3: Lovecraftian. Like, if you hadn't seen the Lovecraft in it before, look back. You're going to see Lovecraft all over this game,
1: which is crazy. I mean, there's just sure. giant otherworldly tornado that's coming to hit Arcadia Bay.
0: And he keeps talking about the end of the world and all the yeah. correspondence you see yeah. and there's like a bunker But that all yeah. of that
3: turns out to be like i mean a like thematic setup for what eventually happens and be kind of a huge red herring yeah so
2: it's a red herring that now looking back, I really wish had caught me, which is weird because you would have
3: been floored that it was Jefferson if you had gone into it with the same assumptions I did, which was such a great twist. And I
2: really wish that was the case. Yeah. Cause I think I was so the opposite in the same way that I would have been like, holy shit, Lovecraft. How cool is this? If it had been that. And you would have been like, yeah, I saw this coming from the beginning. Duh. And I think that that's, that's, that's really too bad. I, I'm genuinely glad that I seem to be in the, in the minority here because that was that was a really frustrating thing for me because it came around and it was just like, oh man, it's Jefferson. I was just like, yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> it's one of those things that like, I feel like – like hearing you say it that way, it's one of the things that I feel like I should have caught. But I was so – I ended up so like caught up and invested in Chloe and Max's relationship and after the first episode, 90% of your interaction with Jefferson – happens either when chloe is there or when there is something very pressing happening Mm -hmm. and so my mind was so unfocused on those interactions because like after the first episode my my like when i had to deal with him my eyes would just kind of glaze over Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and so i didn't i didn't it wasn't even that i that i thought he was this great guy or that he clearly couldn't be doing anything wrong is that i literally thought nothing you just didn't
2: think about him Yeah, yeah that's fair
3: I think also probably an added layer and this is going to dip into episode two a bit and I hate to do it out of like summarization context, but I kind of have to, to make this point. Sorry. Um, is that because I didn't rat on Nathan to the principal, Mm. when it came to the point where I had to lay the blame for the whole, um, Kate Marsh, Kate Marsh, right? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. The whole Kate Marsh situation. Um, I actually chose Jefferson because he seemed like the safest option. Because Nathan, you without having told the principal about anything beforehand, you couldn't get Nathan suspended. So uh. without being able to get Nathan suspended, you've suddenly drawn all of his attention to you. And with no power to back it up. So that was out. David Madsen seemed like a bad choice because it felt like we would need him in the future. And it seemed bad to alienate him. And was there a was there a fourth one or no? no? It was okay, Jefferson. <laughs> so the safest option seemed like it was Jefferson, and so we were just like, okay, well, we're gonna need Madsen, and we we can't we cannot touch Nathan, mm-hmm. so we'll do Jefferson. So we actually got Jefferson suspended, not suspended, kicked like kicked
0: fired, fired. Well, it, no, it, was like, fired.
3: it was like it was like it was a suspension, but like that feels kind of weird because he no teacher. longer involved in the photo. Con- yeah. Uh, yeah, so a, yeah, yeah, so weird, yeah.
2: I
1: I was, I, even though I didn't t- turn Nathan into well or prin- the principal, I still got him suspended. I'm not sure now. I mean, I must have had something else on him.
2: Well, let's let's take a second and give the context for this because this is actually a scene that I really want to get into, yeah, and yeah. I think is really interesting for a lot of reasons. Not the least of which is uh, just what everyone chose there, but I think also just getting a chance to really talk about these these three characters who I think are really pivotal to the plot, mm-hmm. um, being jefferson and nathan and the security guard david madsen um so following the those events in the bathroom and some of the other things that we've summarized effectively um max ultimately winds up meeting back up with chloe after a fight with nathan in the parking lot actually does does the fight happen if you don't turn him in
1: uh, yeah, yeah.
2: Okay, because I know the the fight happened for me where I did turn him in, and he was upset because I had turned him in, and he had gotten kind of a, a slap on the wrist for having a gun in school, as one does. Um, but, so you meet back up with Chloe, and you, you spend the the afternoon at her place. Um, and someone told me I'm getting the order of some of these things wrong, because I don't remember exactly where the first episode ends.
3: We can, I don't, I think we should just... Lost through plot points as much as possible to hit these like big pivotal moments of choice because otherwise we are just going to be here forever that's true <laughs> so a lot happens
2: so jumping way forward there is another character who's one of the girls in max's year at blackwell also in her photography class uh who it's very clear has been is being bullied pretty heavily even before kind of the big reveal that there is this video going around where She seems to be kind of out of it, and it seems like she's at least making out with a bunch of guys, maybe a little bit more. Uh, It's a bit hard to say. Obviously, you never actually see the video. You just hear people talking about it. But Max is immediately suspicious because this seems extremely out of character for this character, Kate, who is otherwise uh, deeply religious, and that's a really big part of her life, and just generally very conservative. Um, but is, you know, a sweet person who's always been nice to Max, and they make it clear that the, the two of them have, have developed something of a friendship, even though they're both pretty shy. So it's progressing kind of slowly. But this video is going around, and things are looking really rough for Kate, and you have several moments coming up on this big climactic thing towards the end of episode two where you can show her some kindness and sympathy, or you can kind of push her away, or you can recommend that she be pragmatic with just how she deals with this tape situation. Uh, This includes things as little as just finding places where the link has been written up on the wall or a mirror and scribbling it out or wiping it away, uh, talking to people who have been watching the video and suggesting that they, they not do that or point out that they're being kind of mean, or as big as going to Kate's room and talking to her about the video and Kate... Expressing to you that she thinks that she was drugged and she tells you the story of her being at this party and having a little bit of wine and not very much and starting to feel not so good and being offered a ride to the emergency room by Nathan Prescott and then waking up in kind of a white room with people kind of whispering things to her and then not really having a whole lot of memory of what happened after that until she wakes up just at her dorm the next day. And you can suggest that she go to the police right away or you can suggest that she try and find more evidence. But you have all these moments to kind of help her through these situations. And this whole story arc kind of culminates towards the end of episode two with her being on the roof of the dormitories uh, and you see her jump. And so then at this point, Max uses her rewind power to just slowly make her way up to the roof, just rewinding like a few seconds over and over and over again to the point where she's feeling just so woozy, and it's been established at this point that Max can't really overuse these rewind powers or else she feels drained and woozy and not all the way there and can't continue. And um, also
1: she just loses the ability to use her power anymore if she kind of outdoes herself.
2: Exactly. So you wind up in the situation where Max is on the roof of the girls' dorm trying to talk Kate into stepping back off the ledge and not and not jumping, uh, which is kind of doubly dramatic for the fact that at this point, as Cleo pointed out, Max can't use her powers, so there's no rewinds, there's no retries. This is a situation where you need to say the right things to Kate to try and help her get down, and no no redos short of kind of the classic video game ones of reloading saves. So I guess just kind of out of curiosity, because this is, I think, one of the really... This whole arc is, I think, one of the more interesting examples of the weight that your choices have particularly the not the seemingly inconsequential ones because things like they're the obvious big ones like taking her call when you're in the middle of talking to chloe and chloe is upset with you for taking the call but it matters a lot to kate that you were there to answer versus things like just having like looked through her like things in her bedroom and seeing like a picture of her with her sisters or finding like a particular bible verse that she is clearly very fond of and so it's a lot of these really small things that really come together and all add up to whether or not you, I, I would imagine, you even can talk her down. Um, so I guess just kind of out of – do you want to go around and say how, how that ended for everyone? I, I don't know if it's worth dwelling on a lot because it's not really a, oh, I I made the choice to just let her jump because of this blah. It was more of a just where were you at with your relationship with her at that point.
1: I was able to save her. How was you, clear? I saved her, yeah. That's
0: yeah. when she swan dived for me. Ooh, uh, I I saved her as well. Well, um. <laughs> shit. No.
1: Some of us are better friends than others.
0: Listen, I had no investment in this girl at all. I still want to see so her die, funny. though.
1: It's so
3: funny. I mean, neither because... did I.
0: It's not. I didn't like. It's not like I told her to fuck off. Like I tried to save her in the moment, but I didn't. You just didn't have the. I
1: sensed that she was in a lot of emotional distress prior to that, and I knew that was where it was leading to. Like, most likely. And so, knowing that, I, like, took the time to go through all the stuff in her room, do all the, like, dialogue with her that I could, you know, try to make sure that my choices with her were the ones that were going to, like, bring her the most comfort and, like, bring her to, you know, her best possible ending, and... I don't know. That definitely like being OCD in her bed in her dorm room definitely pays off during that rooftop scene. Yeah, hundred percent.
2: That that's easily where the most like helpful things
0: that you can say to her because
1: you can say shit time. like, oh, think about your brothers, and she doesn't have brothers, so it's yeah. like yeah. obviously don't know shit about this girl.
0: Right. Yeah. I don't remember how obsessively I went through her room. Like I went in and I had the conversation with her, and I did look at stuff in the room. I don't, but I just don't remember how thorough I was. Yeah. I ignored her call. Because, I mean, I was, again, my, like, total investment in this was Chloe and and Max's relationship. And Chloe was the one who was literally standing in front of me and being like, really, I haven't seen you in five years and you're going to take this phone call after we've been together for an hour. And I was like, well, I mean, you're not, yes, you're being irrational, but you're not being, like, ridiculously irrational. Um, and so I, you know, I didn't answer the call. And then... There's the conversation she has with Jefferson, right? Which I don't think you can actually do anything there.
2: No, but you do get a chance to talk to Jefferson afterwards and just kind of get a little bit of his context. But you're right that yeah. Kate is just upset about that, and, yeah, you and she can't affect that conversation. Yeah.
0: And so, like, yeah, and then I got up to the roof and I tried to say all the right things, and then she swan dived. Yeah. The which other thing
1: is David Madsen had been, like, also bullying her. The security guard had been, like, following her and taking pictures because he suspected that she was involved with, like, some kind of drug thing. Like, in a kind of a more malicious role, not as a victim.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that, like, that, I guess I, what, I made the wrong choice because I chose, in that situation, in episode one, to take the photo. I
2: did as well, which is a little bit weird because in one of my other interactions with Kate, I was able to say to her when she was upset with me for not... Uh, intervening in that situation i was able to say it's like look i i totally understand i opted to take this picture because i wanted proof because particularly because i had just had the encounter with the principal where it was my word against nathan's and clearly my word was not enough right. so i was in a situation where it was like shit i'm gonna take this picture and then i'm gonna have it and i was kind of surprised when the fact that i had been talking to nate to kate and said, look, I'm really sorry. I wanted to step in, but I also wanted to have this proof so that we could actually have something done about this and help you in the long term, not just the short term. And when I said that to her in her room, she was like, oh, I hadn't thought about it that way. That was that was really nice of you. Like, thank you for doing that. Like, maybe that will help. But then when we got to the roof, she was upset again. And that yeah, she
0: completely discards the fact that you, like, did it for any reason. Which I, I thought
2: was kind of unfortunate. And I understand that in that moment she was more interested in whether or not someone stepped in to help her in her time of need. But I I was a little bit frustrated that that particular one where I did have the chance to talk to her and I was really excited that like my James's reason for taking that picture was actually what I could give as Max's reason. Yeah. Um, So I liked that that was accounted for, but I was surprised it didn't come in later.
3: I'm going to say that if you don't take the picture, you don't have a leg to stand on accusing David Madsen of anything either in the powwow of three uh, potential – Finger-point receivers.
2: Yeah, which is kind of where we're coming back around to, and so it's that after after you are either uh, able to or not able to prevent Kate from jumping, you end up in the principal's office with uh, Jefferson and uh, Nathan and David Madsen, and asked why you were up on that roof, which I will say is the only time I misunderstood what the question was asking uh because i originally said jefferson because i thought that this was genuinely i thought that i was being accused of something Uh, i was like oh like why were you on the roof how did you know she was gonna be there i was like well i knew that there was this shit with nathan but that doesn't explain why i was on the roof right then i have this stuff with madsen but that doesn't explain why i was on the roof right then i was like well so i was like oh so i saw her fighting with jefferson and so i went to check on her and that was not what that question is asking. That question is asking, why do you think she wanted to jump? So I went through all of that and I was like, oh shit, like I didn't mean to get Jefferson in trouble. I just knew that Kate was upset because she had just talked to him. And then, uh, yeah, so that was one of the few big things that I rewound. Cause I was like, nope, 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 that's not, it's not what I thought I was saying. That wasn't what I that understood the conversation to be. And then I changed it. I changed it to Nathan. Obviously in hindsight, not necessarily the right thing to do. Arguably.
1: Who accused whom? I accused Nathan because Nathan's a little shit. And wow. I also accused Nathan. Nathan, 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 Jefferson.
3: Yeah. Heck
0: yeah.
1: Because yeah. <laughs> we didn't know that Jefferson, I, I didn't suspect Jefferson 100% at that point. Like I had a feeling that that wasn't what the game wanted for me at that point in time.
3: I also did not suspect him, and I felt really bad about it. And then when with the big reveal came, I was like, oh, I'm so <laughs> validated for shitting all over Jefferson now. Yeah! It was great. I didn't
1: like him ever, and I suspected he was probably going to be a shithead later on. I just didn't know he was going to be, like, the big shithead. I was really
0: yeah. expecting him to go along with and, like, bang Victoria in that scene in the second episode. Oof,
1: yikes. Yeah.
0: Like, that was the kind of scummy vibe I got. Yeah, it feels pretty scummy. Okay, yeah.
1: episode three. I can't remember what happens in episode 3 at the beginning. I know the end.
0: (laughs) To be honest, I kind of want to skip all of episode 3 and just get to what, like, Max's new power and...
2: Episode 3 is primarily them looking around the school.
3: They break into the school, they have this stupid romantic scene in the pool that I was so mad about. Stupid. God,
1: the problem is, is like...
3: let's
2: intro this so if we want to keep it, we can keep it. Okay.
1: So episode 3 current has some feelings about it especially the swimming pool scene i'm so mad i i just because like the problem
3: is is that i should really ship them together despite myself but chloe makes me furious and max needs somebody more emotionally supportive of her in her time of need so like i hate that i ship them but i ship them and so every single time they're being like cute and awkward and flirty i'm just irate so it was just me being irate the entire time i played this game because it was just full of them being cute and awkward and flirty and I was like, stop it! Stop it! Yeah, I'm not funny.
1: gonna, I'm not gonna, I mean, I already made my feelings about Chloe clear and I definitely agree with you that she's emotionally manipulative and I just couldn't like get behind that like relationship as a romantic thing, not at this point in life at least, not, yeah, not until Chloe gets her shit together a little bit more and stops being like so selfish, but I ship, I ship Max and Warren, I do. <laughs> Yikes! You know what? Fuck you guys. Yikes. <laughs> no, because Warren's like... I know Nobody. he's not... I don't think if anyone... I mean, I don't think anyone should feel the need to, but I personally appreciated his character, and he was super supportive when, like, Chloe wasn't.
0: Yeah. He was also bland as fuck.
1: That's yeah. your opinion. <laughs> no, I like Warren. I don't know, I just do. He's like... I like his stupid awkwardness, and... I don't know, I just he ended up being less bland as the episodes went on than he seemed like at the beginning.
2: See, I think that's the case as well, but I think as, as he developed, he developed more into someone that I didn't like. (laughs) Um, and I think that I'll, we can talk about this when we get to episode five, but in the nightmare, I think that there's some things that kind of illustrate a reading of Warren that are very much in line with more or less like how I had started thinking of him at that point. Um, but yeah, I honestly, I played Max more as just not really sure what she wanted, like interested in seeing where things went with Chloe, interested in seeing where things went with Warren, not really totally into either of them, but this, these were kind of like the options available and just sort of honestly, as someone just starting to think of people that way, because I felt like in a lot of the conversations you had these options to just be like almost asexual yeah and just sort of like really just interested in friends at that point and sort of experimental but not committing and i think it ended up leading to a really interesting relationship with chloe where clearly chloe is at least to some degree in love with max and max is at least very good friends with chloe but almost getting back to that rachel amber point where it's well this really might be like a strong relationship for both of them but it's something very different to each but I think that's kind of, that's sort of, in our brief aside into relationships. <laughs> that's
0: kind of where Max ended up for me.
3: So episode three.
0: Yeah. So I remember very little of episode three specifically because of how it ends.
2: Yeah. I think that that's a great way to put it because honestly, even looking back, episode three is a lot about, you get some files from the principal's office that are important later. Uh, you have that scene in the pool. You get your first encounter with the god awful stealth sequences, and then my you're... my
0: also I mean, I don't think they were necessarily well designed. Mine was incredibly tame. Like I, the literally, like, I, I, I walked that you get to the point you're in the locker room and then you see them come in and you have to run back into the locker room and Chloe's like oh no all right. and yeah. I literally I walked around to where the bathrooms were and into the second stall down yeah. And, and, and it just good. stood there for three minutes. Yeah. And then I stopped hearing footsteps, and I was like, all right, I guess we're yeah.
2: good. Yeah. yeah. They're not hard, but I also think that it's like weird and extraneous yeah. and not They fun. just like felt it, the need to add. It a, feels like it's a checkbox. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, so we're kind of breezing through all that, because I, I also agree. This was definitely one of the, I don't know, the more awkward parts, I thought. Um, so then you get around, then you spend some time at chloe's house and i agree after that it's it feels like it's just sort of a blur up until up until max realizes she has a new power which is to be able to go back to a point in time where a photograph has been taken by looking at that photo
1: of her of her yeah she has to be in the photo
2: she doesn't have to be in the photo she can go back to the butterfly photo
1: oh true yeah, and yet she an did age. not use this power to go back to
0: like. Well, maybe it has to be a photo. Maybe it has to be a photo either taken by her or yeah. that she is in, so that she has a frame of reference to be there physically, right? Because the whole idea is that she is mentally transferred into like her own body at the at time that the photo was taken. Yeah. So like it, you know, it's not like she could stare at a photo of like Abraham Lincoln and transport <laughs> herself back to the Civil War. That'd be cool.
3: I'll make we that game.
0: <laughs> so
3: life what? is strange too. anybody.
0: They've
2: announced this is too. really strange.
3: They try to save. She tries to save JFK. That's it. Uh, yeah. No, yeah.
1: please.
2: No, please. Sorry, God, James God. Franco. Uh, but, but yes. Yeah, so Max discovers this new power goes back in time. And I, I won't even say attempts to it succeeds in preventing Chloe's biological father from dying in a car accident. Which we haven't really talked about, but has definitely been this kind of specter that hangs over Chloe's family. This is very much kind of this defining moment for them
3: and her relationship with Max, because Max oh, went sure. away sh- very, very short uh, shortly before or Af- after.
2: I think. Yeah, I don't know exactly, but right around the same time. Very yeah. shortly
3: after, because because they were she was there that day that he died. Yeah, so so um, yeah, so it's this huge elephant in the room for both of them.
2: Yeah. It I yeah, I completely agree. And they're they're going and I think it all starts with their they're in a car together coming back from some kind of shenanigans. Um and Chloe's talking about the fact that she just she blames her dad for dying. Her and life
1: has been dipped in shit is are the words.
2: Yeah, exactly, because because her dad died. Um you know, her mom has remarried, her her stepdad is David Madsen, the security guard who gave Max shit at the beginning of the game and who's been kind of, like, really sort of aggressively stalking Kate Marsh, and it seems like some other people, and...
1: And hits Chloe,
2: depending on, like... Yeah, depending on some choices you make, you have the option as Max to take the blame for a joint in Chloe's room early on. And if you don't take the blame, yeah, he hits her. And is pretty shitty to you if you do take that blame. Like, it... This is someone who clearly doesn't really know how to go about these situations. And I think it's part of what makes him a really interesting character. We can get to that later. But, um... Yeah, so in an attempt to help Chloe fix all this, Max goes back in time, changes events so that uh, Chloe's father can't get in the car that day and saves his life and comes back to a future where Max herself seems to be in a very different position. She's hanging out with Nathan and Victoria. She's kind of got a very different group of friends. She goes to, to see Chloe, and she finds that William, Chloe's dad, is still alive. But the big twist in that we close episode three with is the revelation that Chloe ended up in a car accident, a different one, and is paralyzed from the neck down.
0: And like, man, that, that fucking reveal ruined me.
2: I'll say this. I think the emotional impact was lessened on me by the fact that I, in my head, just when, it's, when he calls to Chloe, in my head, just like as a joke to myself, I was like, oh, Chloe's going to be in a coma. And just like, what is the most like dramatic thing that could happen here, and then that I was not far off, and I was like, oh well. Now I feel like a bad person for jumping to that, but also,
3: <laughs> okay. But also though, like even before we got to the the scene, you know, the reveal that Chloe is in a wheelchair, as soon like we were in the past. I say we, I mean me and me and Clay, because again, we were playing together, and um, I, the entire time I was just like. In, in a moral like I, I, quandary is too tame of a word. I was losing my my shit here just like what right do I have to change who Chloe is as a person? like what do I, I can't like she wants this, but do I have the right to make her entire life different? Like she won't be the same person who made the choice to make this change. Like I was losing it. Yeah. And yeah. then to add the whole, the whole wheelchair thing on top of that, I was devastated. At the end of this chapter, I like, oh my god, I had to, I had to lay down for a couple days. And when I say that, I mean like I just, I repeatedly thought back to this game and like the morality of my decisions and what was going on and everything. It was, it was rough. Well,
1: see that the, that was made easier for me just because of the knowledge that the game makes you do that. No matter what, it's not like a player choice. You cannot, you, do, you don't have to like choose. Okay. I'm just going to let William die. Here's the thing. I was so, I was freaking out so much in that scene
3: that I never got to the, you cannot progress beyond this Mark thing. Like, you know how the the game literally cannot progress if William walks out the door? I mm. never reached that point.
2: Oh okay. I never <laughs>
3: knew that I never knew that oh. letting him die was not an option. Got it. Obviously it was like after reflecting for a while it was, but it really just heightened
2: everything. So you like never like tried to hide the keys in oh my it's even something like Really dumb that I Ouch. accidentally hid them in the first time. No, I did. It, but was, like, it was like a box of cereal or some nonsense. <laughs> yeah, those was the cookies yeah. next to the TV, right? It's like right where the keys are. And... Yeah, like I did it by accident. I was like, what are you doing, Max? That's terrible. That's never going to work.
3: I, I failed to hide the key several times, but I always rewound it before oh, it got to the oh, point of oh. no return. Got it. So, like, this is a very emotional, traumatic point of my life.
2: So you really did feel like it was, it.
3: Yeah. you were making that yeah. choice. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, it was rough. Yeah,
2: boy. But yeah, so that's that's kind of end of episode three. I, there must have been something else in episode three, but I, I feel like kind of like everyone, it's it's not coming back to me. It did not make a big impact.
0: No, no, I, you you stay with with Chloe that night, and then you there's the whole breakfast sequence with her mom bottles, that morning and
2: bottles.
0: Is bottles that day? Is that it was bottles three? the previous day? No, I, I think was two. I, oh,
1: is it two? I thought it was three. 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 Okay, God, I of bottles.
0: Yeah. Um, there's a reason we glossed over. (laughs) Um, yeah, you have the breakfast thing and that's when she gives you the picture. And then you just like go back to your dorm and look into the picture and kick things off. This concludes the first part of our double episode on life is strange. Given that there was so much about this game we wanted to discuss, we didn't want to do it the injustice of shortening our conversation. So, instead, we decided to split the discussion into two parts. After the release of the next part, we'll resume our normal schedule with the theme episode for Lifetime Travel. Thanks for listening.